All right, everybody, welcome back to the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast. And uh, I know it's been a couple weeks since we've uh, visited, and uh, my apologies for that. It's uh, it's a bit of a dead season right now, you know, but uh, combine stuff, uh, CBA stuff, Bud Dupree, all this kind of stuff. There's plenty of items to discuss now, and uh, joining me are the usual partners in crime, Ian and Ben. And uh, Ian, how are things there in the greater Pittsburgh area this evening? They are wonderful. We're doing great, and uh, it's a little bit of a dead season for NFL stuff, but I've been writing about college basketball stuff with a lot more to come, so stay tuned to SteelCityBlitz.com for bracketology predictions and conference tournament previews and all that as we head towards the NCAA tournament. I'll have plenty more coming as well. Just amazing that we are at that point of uh, the the year already, into the third month already of 2020, and... uh, college basketball and i know there's conference tournaments underway already and and uh yeah so check out the bracketology page there at steelcityblitz.com and uh joining us on the left side of the country is ben and ben how are you this fine evening i'm good i'm really good thanks excellent excellent yeah no it's uh it's good getting some spring feelings around here uh, in these parts actually supposed to be sunny and near 60 this weekend so i'm very very excited about that i i do enjoy some sunshine and temperatures where i don't freeze um the uh collective bargaining agreement proposal uh is now going to a vote gentlemen and um we were talking before we started uh, recording and stuff here, and, and it's it's really fascinating the number of people who uh, think this will pass, the number of people who don't think this will pass, and, and there's bazillions of ramifications if, uh, if it goes one way and another bazillion if it goes another way here. But uh, the players have uh, seven days um, with which to cast their vote, and then at the end of that period, then the votes are tabulated. It's a simple majority, and uh, that's the way it's going to go. So, um, you know, Ben, you, you've kind of followed this thing pretty closely here. Um, your, your gut feeling is you don't think this is going to pass. Uh, why, why do you feel that way? Well, I don't have a real strong feeling one way or the other, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah. the, based upon the people, I, it looks to me, I should preface all of this with, it looks to me like, mm-hmm. it looks to me initially anyway, like it was a pretty fair deal for the players this time because they're getting more money in exchange for a 17th game. Um, they're getting more time off in the preseason. Uh, they're getting a few more things that they, they wanted. Uh, as and then they're getting rid of marijuana testing basically almost entirely. <laughs> so that was another thing they really, really wanted. Um, but you know, there are some some uh, negative ramifications, you know, that that were brought out. One in particular, um, any player that holds out even one day and has more than five accrued seasons loses that accrued season for one day holdout. And now all fines for holdouts are mandatory. They cannot be forgiven by the team at all under any circumstances. So basically they're going after holdouts and saying, yeah, if you're under contract, you can't hold out, period. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you do, these are the ramifications. And you're going to pay the fines and the fines, you know, they're going to, I guess they're raising the fines. They were were fining guys before $30,000 a day. Now they can find them more than that if this thing goes through. Fines are mandatory lose a year of uh of vesting 
your that's huge. medical benefits, yeah. toward your pension, toward all of that. Nobody's going to, you know, they're not going to take that lightly. Um, was it's taken too long between when the initial summary sheet went out to the membership and when they finalize the document and now they're they're finally going to vote on it i guess mm-hmm. they're going to begin voting on it tomorrow it's taken too long and too much negativity has come out and now it's not going to pass um and there are a number of guys prominent yeah. players you know one of them marquise pouncey yeah. who came out right away and said i'm not in favor of this now my understanding is that d smith is very much in favor of it the nflpa president to- yeah Director, yeah. Executive director, he, yeah. Exactly. He, uh, he, and he's looking at it pragmatically. I get it. Basically, what he wants to do is is present a unified front, NFLPA and NFL, to the television networks to try and get as big a piece, as big a contract as they possibly can mm-hmm. before an election year recession. Because historically, there have been recessions after elections and or around elections and we're we're due for one. We've had 10 years of economic growth, economic yep. expansion and we're due for a recession on top of the fact that we've also got this virus hitting us. Yeah. So there's a there's a possibility that that could happen and they're trying to get the TV contracts done in advance of that. Um so really he's protecting his membership by doing mm-hmm. so because the more money the NFL makes, the bigger piece of pie if the pie is bigger the bigger that piece is that the nflpa membership gets so he is looking out for them but there are all these things hanging out there that the a lot of the guys really object to so i don't know flip a coin man i my understanding is that you know it's going to be close but it's not going to pass uh but it's all speculation right now i I don't think anybody really knows for sure to be perfectly frank well, I, I think that's where everybody is. And, and you know, uh, the rank and file guys versus the guys that are guaranteed to make pretty big money. And, you know, there, there's a lot of these different conversations that are being had out there. And, and I agree with you. I don't, I, I don't know where this is going to come out. It It's very much like politics and political elections these days. You, you think you've got a uh, uh, finger on the pulse of it, and then it just goes in a completely different direction. So, um, Ian, if, if this does not pass, then w- what are we looking at in, in the near future here as, as far as what comes this season and then after the season? Right. So uh, just one thing to add on to what Ben said, yeah. um, you know, from what I can tell, it seems like this is a, actually a pretty good deal for players who are making under like 1.5 to $2 million. That seems to kind of be about the cutoff, right? Mm-hmm. Players that are yeah. on the, the minimum salary and just above that type contracts, they did a lot to kind of address entry-level contracts, minimum salary contracts, those kind of things. Um, and actually, it seems like a pretty good deal um, for retired players as well that they ex- they expanded some benefits for retired players, but those guys don't get a vote. It's only the active players that get a vote. Mm-hmm. So um you know the the guys who are on the bigger contracts like ben mentioned you know the the vested veterans essentially that are on contracts of essentially more than two million dollars um are the ones that it's 
either revenue neutral for or not as good as you know the the percentage increases that the other guys are seeing um and they kind of have to you know figure out okay well if we're not going to make that money up in base salary what else are we going to be able to how else can we make that money up or what other benefits can we get with like the the extra time off the reduced practice time all that um and when you know the economics are that close adding in a 17th game and an extra playoff team which adds another playoff game for another team um you know really don't help things get through if the economics were better i think it would for you know the guys who make more money and those are the more visible guys especially on social media and Mm -hmm. interviews um you know because those are the stars of the league and uh you know if if the deal was better for the stars of the league they'd probably be coming out more in favor of it but you know it's a it's a total membership vote too and you need more than half of the total membership and there's more guys you know making less money than there are the guys that are making a ton of money so uh i agree with ben it's probably going to be close but i don't think it gets approved so to answer your question uh where do we go from here there's still one year left in the current collective bargaining agreement and you know things can just operate on the status quo 16 Mm -hmm. game schedule you know six teams make the playoffs from both conferences um the salary cap will be probably around 200 million dollars which they've already projected Mm -hmm. um and just kind of roll forward with that last year the the key points and things we've talked about before is the 30 percent rule would stay in place um that for any you know new contracts signed that extend beyond uh the the end of this cba that they can't have escalators more than 30 percent in a given year so you know for guys like bud dupree or other free agents um you know that either is going to have to give them a higher number at the beginning of their contract or um you know it's going to lessen the the total value of their contracts over time given you know the position of some of these guys in the market and the fact that the salary cap's increasing by 10 million dollars and mm-hmm. there's going to be or 12 million actually it was like 88 188.8 last year so mm-hmm. i guess that's 11 million same idea um <laughs> that uh, there's there's plenty of teams out there with lots of cap with lots of cap space that are going to yeah. be willing to throw money at people and basically do what the jacksonville jaguars have done right they threw a bunch of money at a bunch of people and now they're just having a fire sale and cutting everyone um so that they don't actually have to pay out the full value of the contract which has been a big sticking point for players with you know the current cba is that the guaranteed money is really what matters the total value of the contract is meaningless because unlike the Steelers, 31 other teams don't really value the total contract as a whole. The Steelers have a very good track record of paying out a, a large portion mm-hmm. of players' contracts. I mean, we've talked about it before. You right. know, players like Mike Mitchell and other guys that they've kept around a year too long, um, or you know, in Mike Mitchell's case, he should have been cut after year <laughs> one. But uh, you know, guys they've kept around because they made commitments to them. And that, you know, that does help them when they go out to sign free agents because generally they don't have a lot of cap space. But players also know, hey, if I sign a contract with this team, they're probably going to, you know, pay me the majority of the deal. They're not going to cut yeah. me as soon as the guaranteed money runs out. So let's let's go ahead and assume the worst and that this doesn't pass. Um, we know that Art Rooney, uh, too. We know that that uh, Kevin Colbert, Mike Tomlin, they have all said that keeping Bud Dupree is a priority. Um, I, the three of us are are kind of like scratching our heads because if things stay the way they are, we just don't see it. So, I, I mean, Ben, where where's what's the impact on Bud Dupree if this thing does not pass and we go in with this final year of the agreement? Is, is there any way... Short of getting rid of perhaps some guys that we don't see a 
it happening to uh, that Bud Dupree stays on the team? How does this work? Uh, you can cut uh, Baron Foster, uh, Chicolo, and Vance McDonald, mm-hmm. and you can create enough space, and you can, but then you can't tender the majority of your restricted free agents. Right. You have to try and sign them before free agency hits or lose them. Uh, you can kiss BJ Finney goodbye. He's yep. gone. Um, basically, you can't have both. You can't. Right. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Here, if you want to keep if you want to keep Dupree around, you can't keep McDonald, who I think you need. Um, you can't keep BJ Finney. Uh, you can't keep another of a number of other essential mm-hmm. pieces. Um, Tyler Matikevich, Matt Filer. Uh, these are guys you really need to bring back. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, even even Chicolo, who is, I don't care, he's not worth five million dollars by any stretch, but he was a very productive special teams player last year. Um, you know, so you you've got to you've got to replace that talent from someplace, and you can't just say, oh well, no problem, we'll just throw Skipper and Ola in there, and they'll no, they're you can try that, but they're not proven yeah. guys. It's not that easy. They're not. And I and don't get me wrong, I'm still I'm absolutely in favor of cutting Chicolo, but with mm-hmm. a plan, with a plan in place. That's all I am saying. Don't just cut guys willy-nilly yeah. because they suck and it's easy to put special teamers in place. Because it's not. It is not easy to plug and play special teamers. Oh. And the Steelers have tried that number of years, and that's why our special teams suck. Well, that and Danny Smith. But I digress. Yeah. Uh it's there are going to be a lot of tough choices if the CBA is not ratified. If it is, basically, it's like the Red Sea parting. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, there are all kinds of avenues to create space and take advantage of having that franchise quarterback for a couple more years and having... I don't want to call it an elite defense yet, but having a very good defense that's also very young, very Mm -hmm. good, very young, on the rise, having that defense in place and taking advantage of those two things is is someplace you really, really want to be. So I understand them wanting to keep Dupree and keep that defense intact, but absent a new CBA, you have to make some really, really tough choices to do so. So Ian, let me yeah, ask the you, other the other thing yeah, I'll add ahead. in too is um you know the the 30% rule not only would affect signing a guy like Bud Dupree this year um but it would also affect potentially sort of your long-term contract negotiations too that traditionally the Steelers have tried to sign guys to extensions when they were entering the last year of their contract so a big guy with the big numbers Cam Hayward he's you know mm-hmm. set to make 9.5 million base salary have a 13 million dollar cap hit this year as he enters the last year of his contract and traditionally that would be a time the Steelers would be able to renegotiate that contract and save a little bit of money against the cap but um, you know with the with the 30% rule in place um, that gets increasingly difficult that they won't really be able to to do that or even if they do they won't be able to spread out the money as as much as they traditionally have been able to so um, it's not just the guys you know who are set to be free agents, but also the guys on the roster, really limits their ability to um, restructure or renegotiate um, 
you know, their existing contracts. And um, there's in the final year of the cap, there's no such thing as a June 1st cut. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. Extend them. Yes, that's correct. Um, And there's also no such thing as a June 1st cut anymore. So you can't even, um, you know, cut a guy and and designate him as a a June 1st cut to split the salary cap burden over two seasons because you can't do that in the final year of a CBA. So Mm -hmm. things get really tight if this doesn't get done. Um, And I think it'll it'll probably get done. You know, I'm not thinking that there's going to be a lockout because there's too much money at stake for there to be a lockout. But um, I, I think a deal will get done eventually. I just don't mm-hmm. think it'll get done now in time for free agency to start, which, you know, could hamstring us a little bit this season as far as what we're able to do. The other option I've kind of been bouncing around my head a little bit is if they just slap the franchise tag on Dupree. Maybe they use the, um, you know, the non-exclusive tag to let, you know, another team negotiate with them and have to give up a draft pick if, if they want to sign him um, or they, they tag him and then try, try and trade him um, off of that just to, mm-hmm. to give themselves some more wiggle room and maybe some more time to potentially let a CBA get done. Um, but I don't know what the likelihood of that is just because of the, the tightness of the salary cap window and what they'd have to do just to get under the cap to franchise Dupree. The one other thing I'll yeah. note, sorry, one well, other thing well, I'll note um, on Dupree's franchise tag potentially is to keep an eye on what happens in Tampa with Shaq Barrett, because mm-hmm. the talk is yep. that Tampa is going to franchise Shaq Barrett. And uh, there's some dispute over whether uh, Barrett's tag number should be a defensive end number or not, or a linebacker's number. Um, and there's some significant differences there um, in what the cost of those would be. So whatever happens with Barrett may trickle down to Dupree, although um, I think Tampa played a little bit more of a 4-3 than a 3-4. Um, I'm not sure I didn't really watch many of the Buccaneers games last year, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, but it's still worth watching, you know, kind of how those edge rushers yeah. get defined moving forward. Uh, no. And, and to your point about, um, you know, Dupree, a potential tag and trade type thing. That's if I'm not mistaken, that's essentially what the yeah. Texans did with uh, Clowney. Yeah. I'm not saying that's going to happen. Um, They're not going to do that, but just in terms of, of, of the types of things that can be done. Um yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, I I'm curious. I mean, because if this doesn't get passed, and you know, the because of the amount of money, but what it would ultimately ultimately mean is that those those top tier players had enough sway over everybody else to get the no vote, but then they're going to have to give something up in order to to get what they want. Which you know, Ben, you you talked about that the the new policy regarding holdouts the heavy penalties fines um the loss of the accrued season type stuff which to me is something that they're probably going to really be uh going after so but what would they give up i mean are they willing to go back to marijuana testing again because i don't think they want that um, i i don't you know, know man i but but, but you, you know, see what i'm basically saying though? what it comes down to is money yeah, yeah no i i yeah, get it and basically i mean it's yeah. the thing that yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, getting back to your point about Bud Dupree, though, if they tag him, yeah. the Steelers are stubborn about this, this negotiating in good faith that and, and having a reputation for doing so. They're so stubborn about it that if they tag someone, they always do so with the intention of signing that guy to a long-term deal. Mm-hmm. How many people, including all of us, screamed, 
trade Le'Veon Bell's rights. Trade him. Trade him. Trade him. Trade him. They never even attempted to. Never even attempted to do it. And it was very clear early on that they were not going to get a long-term deal done. And then he just didn't play. He just held out for a year and was willing to come back. Was willing to come back week nine. Would have come back in the 10th week and gotten that season. You know that that accrued season, uh, if they would guarantee him that they would not tag him again, and they wouldn't do that either, and they, it was just about the fact that they would not give up their collectively bargained rights, mm-hmm. and they will not tag a player without intending to sign him to a long term deal. So they're not going to tag Dupree, and then trade him away. It just isn't going to happen. It's a pipe dream, and I, I want to make that clear. It's real fun to talk about on Twitter, but it isn't going to yeah. happen. It's just not. And I, I know it bothers me sometimes too that they're so damn stubborn, but they are. So let's not entertain this as a serious possibility because it isn't. Yeah. And, uh, and, as far as the CBA goes, what they're going to have to give back, I don't know. I, I, if they don't get it signed, my understanding is the owners have already told them this is as good an offer as you're going to get. This mm-hmm. is it right here. Mm-hmm. If if we get a big enough television contract, we'll give you forty eight and a half percent. Big enough television pie, we'll give you forty eight and a half percent. You'll get forty eight percent right out of the gate. We'll give you another half a point if we get enough money out of the networks. And that's one of the reasons that D Smith wants to get it done now. It's not just a bigger yeah. pie because the the circumstances are better right now. It's also a bigger piece of the pie if they get a bigger pie. And it makes so, sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, They're trying um, to entice them to, to move forward and, and get it done. But I don't know. I we'll see. I hope they, I hope they agree, but I don't know. I, and, I, and if they don't, I'm not going to begrudge them. It's their finances. It's, it's their right. financial decision. It's not mine. You know, nobody tells you how to negotiate for your job, at, at, you know, as a salesman, don't tell them how to do it. Yeah, and I think that's an incredibly important point. Um, and and we see all too many Twitter GMs, you know, telling these guys, "You're getting a great deal. Look how much you're paid. You're you're complaining about having to wear pads too often and be at practice too often." And you know, walk a mile in somebody else's shoes before you you start uh, criticizing them. That that would be uh, my it's my piece of advice, that, man. It's, you know, it's not just. Well, it's but, not just that. They want to make comparisons about how the right. the owners have an investment, took the risk, and the owners – you know what, man? You don't think that working as an athlete your entire life to get to this position is an investment? <clears throat> Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. owners – a lot of the owners inherited their teams or inherited their money. And they, the thing that people really, really don't understand is this. Between what the owners take home and their – their investment equity increases, the value of their team increasing. All these owners make over $100 million a year. Some of them make over $150 million a year. Yeah, they're doing all right. Okay. They're doing fine. The owners can absolutely withstand a lockout. Yeah. The players, not so much. Yeah. And I, I would love to think that, you know, Marquise Pouncey saying, hey, we'll take care of you when he talks to the guys that are at the bottom end of the scale, but I, I don't know how long that would be possible. I think it's extremely noble on his part, but I, yeah, I, I, I just hope it gets done uh, as a fan. And, but at, like you said, Ben, I'm not going to 
you know, hold any grudges against the guys if it doesn't, because it's, it's their world, not mine in that regard. Um, Ian, did you have any final thoughts on CBA, Bud Dupree, any of that stuff before we move down? The real thought I have um, yeah. on Bud Dupree is if he's not back, what do they do there? Because like we talked <laughs> about, um, it, you know, just to just to get enough cap space to kind of sign their own guys, tender their restricted free agents and have enough to sign their draft picks, like they're going to have to cut a couple guys. And Chicolo has a huge salary number um, at yeah. four and a half million dollars. They'd save five million because um, there's a roster bonus in there too. They'd, they'd mm-hmm. save five million against the cap with a cut and only have like a little over one million in dead money. I mean, that's an easy cut for a guy that's not very productive. And if Dupree walks too, what's your solution opposite TJ Watt? I mean, they're going to have to to bring somebody in, mm-hmm. um, probably a, a low cost veteran or someone on kind of a one year prove it deal. Um, and obviously, we don't have a first round pick either, so um, you know you're you're not really going to have much in terms of options um, to to fill that void on the. Uh, you know, that side what, of the defense. What, what well, I shouldn't this? even say that side. They move yeah. around. But fill, fill right, that starting right. position. What What do we have right now? About 10 days that the Steelers have left to put the tag on him? Yeah, I think that's about right. Yeah, something, something in that neighborhood. And, and again, I think a lot of people are getting all, well, geez, they haven't tagged him yet. You know, well, give them time. They're they're, they're waiting this thing out. They'll, you know? they'll probably, I, I'd imagine they'll, they'll wait until the yet. last day. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, somebody. The entire somebody, league. Well, yeah, I mean, there's there have been teams that have said they have plans to tag certain guys, but right. yeah, I don't think anybody's so right. Nobody's officially been tagged, so I, I don't think it's a, a huge thing. But um, it it is interesting. I, I looked at a number of mock drafts this this past couple of days, and and the amount of the quote unquote pundits, experts, whatever you want to call them, um, have us taking edge rushers in the second round with the 49th pick, as you alluded to, uh, Ian, we, we, we have Minka Fitzpatrick, which I'm totally fine with as our first round pick. Yep. Um, you know, but I, I obviously, I think these, these guys that make these picks are doing so with the thought in mind that Dupree's not going to be around. And, um, that that seems likely as to why they're making those those selections. So, you know, it's natural to pay attention to that. But then, you know, when you look across the the Steelers roster and you you realize that upgrades at tight end are necessary, and you can make arguments for offensive line, defensive line, a uh, safety, uh, another linebacker. I, I mean, you, you you can make arguments across the board where that's going to go. And there's even people talking about wide receiver. Um, you know because they've they've taken wide receivers so many times in that third round area so um i I don't know it's going to be fascinating i know you didn't ian you didn't see a ton of the combine ben did you did you watch any of the combine at all a little bit of it not not a lot yeah it uh i i I check the you know yeah basically i i check the stats i check the testing and and right. then if there's somebody I want to watch, I will sit there and wait patiently for the next player to run. Yeah. I'm not that into it. I mean, it's the looking at the times and evaluating players based upon that, sure, I do that. Yeah. But sitting yeah. there and just, just zoning out and watching the combine, no, man. I, no. 
It's uh, I, I admit that I do it with like the quarterbacks. Um, I, sure. I do want to. And granted, you don't have a rush. You don't have. I mean, it's just guys throwing balls. But I, I do like to see who who can throw uh, with with some zip. Who's got some accuracy, uh, you know. And I, I do like some of that stuff. And and I do also. I find it absolutely uh, earth shattering to see a guy that's three hundred and sixty pounds run a five. 140 i mean that, that that's just unbelievable where we've come in the uh yeah the 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 era of big men being able to move so fast it just truly is incredible but um you know it, it, it's i like to look at that and then i like to of course look and see who who the steelers have met with and you know they they, they met with uh, uh jalen rieger the wide receiver from tcu they met with cam Akers, the running back from florida state you know, they met with a few edge rush guys, uh, Uche from Michigan. And uh, so, you know, they're, they're, the Steelers are doing what they do. They, they meet with tons of people. And, you know, to, to make it anything more than it's just a meeting would be criminal. Don't, don't take it any further than that. They haven't even started pro days yet. They haven't had visits in yet. Um, you know, so let's, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves in that regard. Um, but, it, you know, as we sit here right now, and, and let, let's assume that they keep Dupree, uh, Ian. Where do you think that they're going to go with that that first pick in, of theirs at pick forty nine? Um, I'm going to be very vague intentionally and say an offensive skill position. Um, <laughs> and, and we've talked about this before when we had our podcast on the offense, right? Right. That um, you know, the the thing that was really missing last year was someone who could be that home run hitter that could take yeah. the ball to the house anytime they touch the ball. Juju showed that a little bit early in the season before his injury. Uh, Deontay Johnson did it a couple times, but not with regularity. They really didn't have a tight end that could separate in space and make anything happen after the catch. Um, they didn't have a running back really that was capable of anything longer than a, you know, 15 yard gain, which I mean, Connor had a couple longer rushes, but then he got injured and it was kind of a running back by committee approach. And even those guys, when they had long runs, weren't consistent about it. So they, they didn't have those guys that were capable of, you know, turning in a 70 or 80 yard touchdown play. And that's really what's missing. So whether that's a running back, a wide receiver, a, a tight end, um, you know, the, the kid from Dayton looks absolutely outstanding, but I don't think he'll make it to 49. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and then, but there's some other good tight ends out there too. So um, it's, it's really going to be a question of, you know, what their needs are after free agency. They're not going to have a ton of cap space, but they're going to have to address some things. We've talked about before with Vance McDonald. If they cut him, they probably can't sign someone for much less than what Vance is making to be a number one tight end. The, the, exactly. The savings you get from Vance McDonald would basically get you Jesse James, and Jesse James is not as good as Vance McDonald. So, nope. um, you know, you kind of have to keep McDonald around just because of the economics. And it seems like they fully intend on doing that. There were some articles this week that said they intend to keep him. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, overall, I think McDonald's getting paid about like it's the 17th or 18th highest tight end in the league, which is probably about where he should be with his production. Yeah. So that's not really hurting you there. Um, but they still have a need for a number two tight end and a number three tight end. Um, but and that sort of game breaker at either running back or wide receiver. I just hope that they actually draft a running back or wide receiver and don't get enamored with you know someone that they think can do everything. Right. <laughs> Dre Archer and Chris Rainey, um, <laughs> they can't do anything at all. Um, you know, because those guys they thought could do everything, but they could actually do nothing. Uh, 
and I've said this before on Twitter and I'll say it again, but Tyreek Hill is what they wanted Drew Archer and Chris Rainey to be. And yeah. it pains me every time I see it because I mean he he turned out to be a fantastic football player, his yeah. off field issues notwithstanding. Right, right, right. Uh Ben, are you in a, a similar boat if they are are able to keep Dupree, you think they go some kind of skill position there or you think it's something else? Not necessarily. I, I think it could be lineman um but a tight end, if if there's a good tight end available, I think they have to consider it, especially mm-hmm. if they cannot manage to sign re-sign Vic, Nick Bennett, um, yeah. because they they will need a number two tight end. They like Gentry for some reason. I still think he sucks and was a terrible wasted draft pick, but they like him. Couldn't agree more. So they're going to try and develop him. You know, it is what yeah. it is. They're going to try and develop the guy. They want it. Um. But yeah, if if they cut McDonald and they can't re-sign Vanette, the only tight end they would have on the roster would be Gentry, and he sucks flat out. Yeah, he there's, is just there's, yeah, terrible. absolutely no way you can enter an NFL season with him as your tight no. end. It so, just cannot happen. Then then you uh, have to bring in a tight end, um, and you know if if it's me, I'm not only drafting one, I'm signing a veteran somehow, even if he's just yeah. you know a low cost guy who can do a few things, but at least he can explain what the coach meant to the, the young players and, mm-hmm. and kind of get the ball rolling for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't see them taking a running back that early, but I think they will take a running back. Agreed. I see them taking a wide receiver in the second. I know they've met with some guys, but I don't think Rieger, for example, is getting out of the first round. I just don't see it. You watch his tape and it's like, yeah, that guy's, he's the first round wide receiver. Pretty, pretty, yeah. They, yeah. They interview a lot of guys during this process to get to know them mm-hmm. as players so that later on they have a point of reference when that guy is a free agent. Yeah, that's a good okay? point. And they a talk to, to a lot, a lot, a lot of players. Yeah. Everyone they talk to doesn't necessarily mean that they're interested. People need to get that through their heads. And we tell we talk about this every single year. And... Every year, there's hype over who they're going to take, and they talked to this guy at the combine. They had him in for a visit, and blah blah blah. Yeah, they talk to as many players as they possibly can, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and will continue to do so because it, not only do they like the process, they want to know as much about the incoming pool of players as they possibly can before they make these decisions, and then later on. They have legacy information when that guy becomes a draw on. They can go, hey, these are our notes from when we talked about this guy. Hey, I thought that he he had leadership mm-hmm. ability mm-hmm. when we we saw him around other players. And that's and that's part you, of that reason reason why you you constantly hear about this guy really liked Coach Tomlin. He wants to play for Coach Tomlin when when a he becomes a free agent because they did have good rapport, good relationship yeah. during the, the pre-draft yeah. process. They just um, couldn't draft it. I, you know? And you I even heard that them. when they traded for Minka too. They talked about how enamored they were with him during the pre-draft process. Yeah, they just knew that he point. wouldn't make it right. to them. Right. They just knew he wasn't going to get out of the top 10 and he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, he um, went 11th, right. but yeah. I could, yeah. I could see them going edge, you know, uh, in the second round, if if they do tag Dupree, I don't see them signing him to a long-term deal um, for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. I don't think that Dupree will sign the deal they offer him, and I don't see them being able to, and I've talked about this before, being able to, being willing to devote $40 million a year to two guys on the defense 
and between TJ Watt and and Bud Dupree, and that's what it's going to cost. Watt's going to be a twenty-four, twenty-five million dollar year guy when he finally Consider gets his big too, deal. What you've got with Hayward and Tuit, you got a lot of money in yeah. there too. Yeah, and and that's where I was going next. Yeah. I don't. I can see them taking an interior defensive lineman in the second round as well. Yeah, because they're going to lose Javon Hargrave, and because, frankly, Stephon Tuit, as talented as he is, can you count on him to stay on the right. field? Right. No, you can't. And I really hope that they do not one more time renegotiate, restructure his contract, even if there is a new CBA, because they need mm-hmm. to get themselves in a position where they can part company with right. Mr. Tuit because he he hasn't lived up to his contract. And it's not for lack of trying. Right. I'm certainly not saying that. Mm-hmm. But if you can't if if one of your best abilities is not your availability, what are you really worth? Honestly. Yeah. And that's so, I mean that that's really the NFL in a nutshell. It's what makes it so unique compared to other NFLs or other uh Pro sports. Pro sports. Yeah. yeah. Um, we we have just a few minutes left here, and uh, uh, Ian, I, I know you have just completely dove into the NCAA tournament here, and we don't we don't have a lot of time left here. But um, uh, w- what are you looking at here as far as your uh, top seeds uh, going into the tournament right now? Yeah, I think the the top line has kind of consolidated itself with uh, Kansas, Baylor, Gonzaga are pretty much locks for the top seed. San Diego mm-hmm. State, as long as they win the Mountain West tournament, probably will be a top seed. Um, Dayton's the only other one that could really kind of slide in there. The the uh, Flyers have had a fantastic season mm-hmm. as well. Um, they're twenty seven and two right now, or twenty eight and two. They just won last night. Sorry, um, but it, it's it's really a you know the the conversation for actually the number one seeds is not. Um, all that difficult but all those teams have some flaws um, teams like Seton Hall are really good um, Duke's been up and down this year Maryland and Kentucky have been up and down this year you know just yep. when you think some of those teams are starting to put it together uh, Maryland just lost to Rutgers and Kentucky lost at home to Tennessee this week so it, both of those teams are kind of hanging around the bubble Rutgers and Tennessee so um, you know you know you never really know what's going to happen in in March Michigan State's starting to play a lot better Tom as those teams always put it together yeah, in March and go yeah. on a run so don't don't be shocked to see Michigan State show up on you know the three or four seed line but then probably be there in the elite eight too so uh, the the real interesting thing is kind of at the the bottom end on the bubble that it, the bubble had started to shrink a little bit over the the last few weeks and then this past week it really expanded again too. Yeah. yeah, That you had some teams that were kind of hovering around 500, like Tennessee, who I just mentioned, um, and Purdue that no team since 2001 has gotten an at-large bid, uh, two games that had a record, two games above 500. Everyone was three games or more above 500 since then. Um, Mm -hmm. And and so really, that's always been my cutoff of, you know, when do you consider a team versus not consider a team? So I wasn't even really looking at teams like Tennessee and Purdue for a while there. And then they went on these little winning streaks. Texas is another one went on a winning streak. Um, and they, they won five in a row. And yeah, what a win know, they had the, last night. Yeah, 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 got themselves back in the conversation as well. So really, there's a, a lot more teams now in consideration, but also teams like UCLA took over the Pac-12 lead, might be the number one seed in their tournament. Tulsa came out of nowhere. and took over the American Athletic Conference lead. So um, that could potentially take automatic bids away from a team like Houston or someone else in the Pac-12 that, um, you know, 
then that that shrinks the number of teams that will actually get into the tournament. So where I am right now, looking at it, you know, you've got mm-hmm. like Oklahoma, Providence, Stanford, Xavier, Indiana, UCLA, Florida, East Tennessee State, Northern Iowa, a couple other mid-major teams that could steal a bit if they don't win their tournament, Wichita State, Rutgers, Utah State, Richmond, NC State, Cincinnati, Texas, South Carolina, Mississippi State, Arkansas, St. Louis, Rhode Island, Memphis, Tennessee are, are really the teams I kind of have on the bubble. Um, but, you know, out of well, those, 10 or 11 are probably going to make it. And I just named real, 20 teams. So real quick, what was your yeah. what was your, uh, your your percentage last year on, on the 64 teams? I, I think I got 66 out of 68 last year. The year before right. I got all 68. Right. So that's right. Um, yep. Yep. But the, yeah. the the two teams I missed last year were both in kind of the, the top four or the first four out that the committee had. So I was I was pretty close on them. So there you have it. If you're an NCAA person, then you need to be reading Ian's stuff uh, at SteelCityBlitz.com. He's kicking it out more and more as the conference tournaments get underway. And uh, Selection Sunday coming up very, very soon. And, of course, the NFL 2020 season officially kicks off on March 18th. And let's all hope that that's the day Tom Brady makes a damn decision because I'm really getting sick and tired of hearing about it. Anyway, we're going to get on out of here. Thanks for listening. As always, make sure you take a moment and uh, give us a rating or review on whatever platform you listen to. And uh, for Ian and Ben, this is Steel Dad, and we're signing off on the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast. Have a good one, everybody, and go Steelers. Ravens suck. (laughs) 